This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast. And coming to you from Lennox Tower Studio at FRM Solutions, this is Franchise Today, and I'm Stan Friedman. Today is Wednesday, March 20th, 2019. March 20th. Really? Will someone please tell me where the first quarter of this year has gone? I mean, come on. The IFA convention has already come and gone. The unconference just wrapped up last weekend. The multi-unit conference is knocking on the front door, and before you know it, we'll all be headed to New York for the IFE. But none of that will happen before I thank last week's guest, Shannon Wilburn. What a great guest, and what a compelling story. And just an all-around incredible human being. I'll tell you what, anyone signing on as one of her franchisees at Just Between Friends will be joining forces with one of the most selfless giving people on the planet. And if you haven't already done so, be certain to download last week's episode of Franchise Today from iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, TuneIn, Stitcher, or anywhere that podcasts are found, and I guarantee you will not regret tuning into that episode. Shannon, thanks again for being with us. And hey, speaking of places where podcasts are found, yesterday I discovered that Alexis Skills have been trained to include finding the latest episode each week of Franchise Today. So all you need to do, you Amazon Echo and Echo Dot users, is simply say, Alexa, play the Franchise Today podcast, and just like that, you'll find us there too. So with all of that said, today this front of the house is appropriately all about Generation Zs or Gen Zs as published in a report printed by Business News Daily. How much more appropriate could the timing of this report be given that today's guest, David McKinnon, who will join us in just a few minutes, underwrites and heads the IFA Next Gen Franchising Program, along with about a gazillion other things that he has been involved with and continues to do in franchising. But before I bring David on, let me share a snapshot of this research and And then when David joins us, maybe he'll comment further on some of it as well. I grabbed this, by the way, from last week's IFA Smart Break, and I'll post it along with its many live links to the Franchise Today Facebook page. If you'd like to read it and see a little bit more about it and click into those live links, you'll have the opportunity to do so. So this study finds that Gen Z workers expect a fast track to success. And that's said by Andrew Martins of Business News Daily. As the oldest members of Generation Z begin entering the workforce, employers across the U.S. are left wondering what makes this latest influx of workers different from their millennial counterparts. There's no mistaking that this demographic, having never known a world without the Internet, sees the world through much different eyes. So, Generation Z comprises youth born between 1997 and 2002, according to Pew Research. Research by Manpower Group suggests that this group of youth will make up approximately 24% of the global workforce by the year 2020. To better understand the group, training and development company Inside Out Development recently polled 1,000 Gen Zers on what they wanted from a prospective employer. Its findings revealed a generation of workers who want more out of their careers and believe that all the perks of advancement should come sooner rather than later. The workplace aspirations of Gen Z expect to be placed on the fast track for better pay and promotions. Approximately 75% of respondents said that they felt they should be given a promotion in their first position after only 
only a year on the job, while another 32% believe the promotion should come within the actual first six months of work. The survey also found that 40% of Gen Zers feel that they'll make more than 100 grand a year once they reach the peak of their career, and half of that group believes they'll make more than 150000 a year in the same period. While that may sound like an ambitious task to strive for as a newcomer, the study also found that 88% of respondents said they were willing to work harder and longer hours to reach their career goals. Roughly 72% admitted being naturally competitive with colleagues in similar roles, and 75% said that they'd be interested in holding multiple positions within a company if it meant they could accelerate their career advancement. So what Gen Zers want in a job when it comes to getting members of this fledgling demographic interested in a career, the study suggests that Gen Z really looks for two main factors, stability and development. The top career goal among respondents was to land a position where they feel secure and stable. Having seen their loved ones go through the Great Recession during their formative years, almost 70% of respondents said they'd rather work at a stable job than one that they're passionate about. This figure highlights a key difference between Gen Z and their millennial counterparts who are more interested in finding jobs that did more for their happiness than did perhaps for their financial stability. Members of Gen Z also want to feel connected to the company's organizational results. As such, respondents said they hunger for development opportunities. The study found that 36% of Gen Zers worried they'd be stuck in a job that didn't give them chances to grow. It also found that 86% felt they'd lose time each day on tasks unrelated to their core job responsibilities, and 40% felt they'd waste at least an hour or more on unrelated administrative tasks. So, Gen Z stresses and worries, while survey respondents said they were confident that their ability to work their way up the organizational ladder would be there in other areas where confidence waned. According to Inside Out Development's data, almost 90% of respondents said they expected constant feedback from their boss, but 54% admitted they were afraid to ask for it. There's an incredible amount of information here, and that number of differences between Gen Zs and their millennial counterparts, and in just a moment, we will be asking our guest, David McKinnon, to join us and see if he's got anything further he may share with reference to some of the information in this report and all about his experiences with the IFA Next Gen program as well. Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors. Hey, franchisors of restaurants, bars, grills and taverns, and multi-unit franchisees, listen up. This message is for you. Atmosphere TV wants to help you cut costs on overpriced cable TV for your business and either replace it completely or partially if sports programming is essential at your locations. What Atmosphere TV provides are 100% free programming options with more than 50 channels of highly engaging and entertaining programming that is audio optional and guaranteed to please your customers and even increase their average ticket per visit. So here's how it works. Atmosphere hooks you up with an Apple TV HD receiver loaded with more than 50 channels of fully licensed, no cost to you, fun and lifestyle programming. These channels include Chive and Red Bull TV, bloopers, superhuman feats, and an array of viewing options that don't require sound to be enjoyed. And this offer is not just limited to restaurants or bars. No, any business with a TV screen in its waiting room can benefit from Atmosphere's free programming offer as well. So what are you waiting for? Cut the cord on overpriced cable and get Atmosphere TV with its 100% free, engaging, and entertaining programming options. Keep your guests happy while they wait to see you. 
Instead of watching the clock and their wait times, chiropractors, doctors, dentists, auto repair shops, anyone with TVs in your waiting rooms, jump onto this amazing offer today. And if you text the word FRANCHISE to 474747, Atmosphere will waive the $100 setup fee for the Apple TV HD receiver that they'll ship to you as well at no cost. Atmosphere TV, changing the way businesses view television. Find them online at atmosphere.tv and remember, text FRANCHISE to 474747 for the no-charge Apple receiver. Cut the cord and get rid of cable today with Atmosphere TV. And now, with all of that said, it's time to introduce you to someone that I know as truly one of the great icons in franchising. David McKinnon's career in franchising spans dozens of years of success and greatness, but he's achieved all of this with a singular focus, a focus on principle-centered leadership in everything that he touches. Over the past 40 years, David has demonstrated an extraordinary ability to recognize unmet needs in the marketplace, innovate solutions, and establish recognizable brands. David McKinnon is a fire-tested executive with business acumen that he has combined with an unshakable set of beliefs. And with that as a foundation, David has guided his companies through three major recessions, including the dot-com meltdown and the Great Recession itself. David's business interests have spanned technology, home services, business-to-business telephony, and consumer products. As the co-founder of Service Brands International, David built numerous franchise companies that have employed more than 6,000 people with combined revenues exceeding $400 million. David sold his interests in SBI in 2015 and today provides a sizable endowment to the IFA Educational Foundation for the funding of NextGen Franchising, a worldwide program that supports those Gen Zs and Millennials as youth entrepreneurs. Additionally, David provides leadership as a senior advisor to neighborly brands and through his many other business interests, David continues to help people around the world achieve their dreams and their ambitions. Can we get it all into what's left of an hour, David? I don't know. We can try. Welcome to Franchise Today, my friend. Thank you, Stan. Good to be with you. And it's great to have you here. David, we're going to touch on a great many things, but what says you about some of the data that I just shared in that Gen Z report about what Gen Zers are looking for from employers today? I think there's some good news for franchisors in there because I don't think that the workplace is going to be able to deliver what they're looking for in the time frames they're looking for. And I think that ultimately many of them are going to turn to wanting to be their own boss. And the franchising is, if not the only place, maybe the best place for sure for people who have those kinds of desires and needs to meet them is by starting a franchise. So I think there's some good news in there for franchising. Excellent insight. We're going to touch a lot more in the time we spend together today on next gen and, and youth entrepreneurship. But we want to start the interview today, David, the way we start every week. And that's to say that with the exception of programs that are coming along today, like NextGen or the Titus Franchise Center, where we're seeing more people intentionally get involved in franchising, for the most of us out there, franchising and us didn't get together that way. It's not that we went to school to study to become franchisors, but rather franchising finds us instead of us finding it. Rewind the tape for us and take us back in time, David, to before the 40-year run that became your life in franchising, what led you there and how did that look? Well, you know, that's a great point. I found franchising by not looking for it, as you said. I was a corporate guy working for a Fortune 50 company, and a friend of mine that went to my church said, hey, uh, you know, you're a 
a finance guy and a numbers guy. I'm going to a seminar tonight on franchising. Would you come with me? And all of that ended up leading to me and my friend becoming a carpet cleaning franchisee for Service Master in Toronto. And I left my corporate career and uh, much to the chagrin of my parents to quote unquote clean carpets. And uh, we ended up being one of the first uh, million dollar franchises in the Service Master system. And we had tremendous success. And in that process, I learned uh, a number of things about franchising and about the ability of franchising to deliver to a person a, a life that you just can't get by working for somebody else. And uh, during that time in Canada, the, one of the folks that worked for me, Chris Stringer was my friend's name, his wife Adrian was the founder of Molly Maid, and it led to me acquiring the rights for Molly Maid and uh, selling my Service Master franchise and moving to Ann Arbor, Michigan and launching the great brand of Molly Maid. And it wasn't just pushing a button, let me tell you that, but it was a lot of work. But it allowed me and the, my family to help a lot of other people discover what I had discovered, which was being in franchising is not being in business by yourself, but for yourself with the help of many others. And it was a great, as you say, 40-year ride. Couldn't recommend it higher. So that takes us back into the mid-80s, thereabout, plus minus? 1984. And then from there, move the ball forward for us and help us get a better handle about your transition from franchisee to franchisor. So I would be remiss to not tell two quick stories. First of all, it was way harder than I thought it would be building a franchise company. But back then, there was uh, these franchise shows that happened almost every weekend of the year, maybe 45 weekends a year, run by a guy named Don Palladino. And they would move from city to city, and myself and uh, one or two other people would go there and, and show our wares, if you will, and talk to people as they wandered through the aisles about why they should quit their job and join this great adventure Molly made, or the guy next to me, whatever they were selling, printing franchises and fast food restaurants, etc. And we had done maybe five or six of these shows, and a good show would have been 3,000 people and maybe uh, a follow-up of 20, 20 to 30 people afterwards. And then maybe you'd get lucky and get one or two franchise sales out of it. But the, the story I wanted to tell your listeners is that we were in Anaheim, California. I'd never been to California before. We were at Disney World, a hotel next to the property. And 12,000 people came through that weekend. We ran out of all of our materials by uh, 11 o'clock. And I ran down and uh, fortunately had the foresight to rent a room for Monday night at 7 o'clock. And I just handed out little sheets of torn off paper that said 7 p.m. the Laguna room Monday night and said, you know, we'll see you on Monday night. We'll give you a lot more information then. And I don't know how many we handed out, but thousands of them. And Monday night, 7 o'clock rolled around, and there was one person that was unqualified in many regards to be in the room. And I was extremely disappointed and was sure that this was going to be the last franchise show we had done. And by 7.30, there was 150 people in the room. And I don't know the exact number, but I'm going to say more than 10, less than 30 franchises were awarded out of that evening in Anaheim. And that really saved our company. That really was the, the line in the sand that we realized we had something.
something that, that was pretty special. And so uh, to, to fast forward the timeline, as you suggested, we went through the 80s. I had a little momentous event where we sold our company to Johnson's Wax, and that didn't go so well. And we ended up buying it back again and really taking a new look at how to go at the business and develop some software that uh, allowed us to really surpass all of our competitors. And today, the average Molly made does millions of dollars a year, not hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And it, I can attribute that to that fresh new look at how we approached the business in the early 90s uh, as the reason for that success. And if we just kind of flash the tape back a little bit as well to that infamous name that you dropped, Don Palladino, those in the audience that have no idea who Don Palladino is, I'll bet do have a much better idea about who Tom Portese is and what MFV Expos is today was born out of the old Don Palladino days. And I've heard, David, more than a couple of stories about Don Palladino from our mutual friend, Jerry Darnell. And I've had the good fortune of living through a couple of those Don Palladino stories, first person in the singular as well. Uh, absolutely. The thing that I loved about Don Palladino was he was extremely transparent. And these shows were promoted on radio and television during the week preceding the show. Come to this such and such convention center and learn how to be your own boss and take control of your life, etc., etc. And the, the entry fee was anywhere between 10 and 25 bucks in cash usually. And without thinking a lot about it, I'd be standing there at a lull of the moment thinking, you know, there's 3,000 people here at 20 bucks. That's wow. What does Don do with that money? And sure enough, I saw Don putting on a beard, a fake disguise one day with a sack full of cash as he walked his way over to the bank to deposit it over the weekend, wearing a disguise so that someone wouldn't recognize him. But uh, <laughs> some great stories about Don and how he figured out how to stash the cash, if you will. So you brought Molly Made back and further developed it. And at what point did the Mr. Handyman brand present itself and how? So we were in the late 90s. And probably 80% of the franchise inquiries were for markets that were already awarded. And we, in Molly Made, we had exclusive territories. So let's just use the example we used in recently on the, this discussion. Southern California was sold out. So if someone were to call from Laguna Beach and say, hey, I saw your cars driving around or I saw your ad in the LA Times, most of this was pre-internet, we would have to say, I'm sorry that territory's been sold. And one day this sort of the bell hit us and said, wow, we're going to get that the rest of our life. We have the knowledge of how to franchise a brand. We have the knowledge of how to train a brand, how to support a franchisee, how to get them up and running. We're not stewarding our talents well here. And so we need to find another brand that we we can sell franchises to in these territories that are locked up. And uh, one of the frequent requests from our customers was, can you recommend a handyman? And so I did a quick search along with one of my associates, a guy named Ted Kennedy at, the, at our home office, and found a guy that had a business called Mr. Handyman in northern Massachusetts. And I said, Ted, why don't you call this guy and see what his story is and is there something we could do together? Long story short, I ended up going to meet with David. Laval and I think maybe then six children now maybe ten uh, had Christmas dinner with them was kindly invited into their home and we put together a deal where David would retain his business and his ownership of the Mr. Handyman brand in his market but the service brands international are now umbrella company over top of Molly Maid and whatever else we were going to add to it 
to the offerings of our customers and to take it to be a national brand. And that worked extremely well. We realized that we had a formula. People that wouldn't go on a ladder, didn't know how to turn a screw, couldn't plumb a line, whatever it was, and there was a need for this handyman service. And so we built the Mr. Handyman brand as the second brand under the service brands and Molly Mate umbrella as the first two steps of seven total brands that we ultimately built under the service brand umbrella. Why don't you call out what those other brands were, David? So we, uh, I, I'm not going to claim the exact order of them, but Molly Made, Mr. Handyman, Certified Restoration Dry Clean Network, 1-800-DRY-CLEAN, Ducks, Hoods. We also had outside of the umbrella because we were uh, a partnership with a, another founder, the PuroClean Disaster Restoration brand, to name a few. So, David, there are a great many icons in our world of franchising who have had tremendous success as the founders of a single brand. I can count on far fewer fingers the numbers of those who have succeeded with two or three brands, but seven brands. So, David, there's got to be some magic at work here that is the reason for that. And I can't help but think that part of what I shared in the introduction today about you not only being a fire-tested executive with business acumen, but that you have a set of unshakable beliefs. Why don't you share what some of those are and how they've played into the success of business for you? Well, thank you for that, Stan. And looking back, now that I've had a few years to reflect on it, I would say the unshakable belief that the franchisee must make money is the number one foundation that made service brands successful. We were not happy until we had franchisees achieving the targeted numbers of percentage for profit and volumes. We sat in advance of launching those brands for them. So that was one. Number two, I can tell you and your audience a statistic that I'm extremely proud of. I'd never, ever, ever read a franchise contract. There were times when there were heated debates about this isn't working for me. You sold me something that I didn't know you were selling me or blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to hire an attorney and may or may not have hired an attorney. I never looked at their franchise agreement. I always went directly to them and said, obviously, if this isn't working for you, then it isn't working for me because by definition, it needs to work for you for it to work for me. What do we need to do? And we had one serious piece of litigation in the late 80s that stemmed out of our time when we sold uh, part of the company to Johnson's Wax. And it was certainly was not their fault. The franchisees weren't happy with that transaction for a variety of reasons. But all of that said, that was put to bed fairly quickly. And we never had a material piece of litigation since that time, the time we sold the company. And I attribute that to the fact that we, we were not a legalistic company at all. And so it all came down to the relationship in the end with the franchisees. And every employee that worked for me and with me on the team at Service Brands knew that the number one goal was to have happy franchisees successful franchisees and feeling that we could not call ourselves a success. And so those are the, a couple of the things, Stan, that I would say set us apart from everyone else in the franchise world. I'd love for you to take us up to the time where this great big package and enterprise that you built around 2015 or so was sold to what was then still the Dwyer Group. Tell us a little bit about that. And then when we come back from the break, we'll get more into today's world of next gen and some of the things that are driving you and the passions around franchising that have your focus and attention today. But first, tell us a little bit about the run-up to the sale to the Dwyer Group, David. So, you know, we we got to the point where we were almost $400 million a year in customer-level revenue. I was approaching 60 years 
years old, I felt that there were younger, more well-funded, more future-thinking people that could take the business to new heights. And so we knew that at some point in time, you know, we would have a transition. And so probably 15 years before that, we put a, a thing in place that said, this is our goal when we hit these levels, when we hit this kind of achievement, this would be the time that we would contemplate another person stepping into our shoes and taking it to the next level. And I chased a guy named Craig Donaldson, a former executive with a, a number of franchise companies where he had great success in taking them and, and you know executing shareholder values at a very high level. And after 11 years of chasing this guy, I finally got him to join our team. And we put a three-year plan in place with him to ultimately find a suitor for acquiring our company. And almost to the day, but certainly to the month, we executed on that plan. And uh, June 12th, uh, 2015, we uh, sold our brand, all of our brands, to the, the then Dwyer Group, now Neighborly, in the summer of 2015. And it could not have been a better solution for our franchisees, our company, and our, our shareholders. Great stuff, and we've got plenty more to go. We're just getting started with David McKinnon. We'll be right back with more Franchise Today. Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors. We are all familiar with Vistage, YPO, and EO. Well, now comes Zorforum, a somewhat similar type of executive group, but this one comes with a twist. Zorforum groups are exclusively for franchisors. Imagine a peer group for sharing and networking on a platform built exclusively for franchise executives. Zorforum members are afforded unparalleled access to best practices and some of the brightest minds within the franchising world through regular meetings and a dedicated communications platform. In this post-COVID world, a franchise-specific mastermind or peer group is an endeavor worth making time for. Zorforum groups of 6 to 10 will bring leaders together that are in similar situations, but with exclusivity in terms of their competitive sets, so that each can openly help others benefit from their respective knowledge, perspective, and experience with no fear of competitive loss. Network, learn, strategize, and remain motivated along your journey. Join a peer group, not just any peer group. Join the only one designed for emerging franchisors. Join Zorforum. Learn more at Zorforum.com. That's www.Zorforum.com. David, you talked about developing some software, and it came to my attention as I was learning more about some of the accolades that have been part of your past, that you had an award that you won not once but twice in your career back in the 90s, 94 and 95, a two-time winner of the World Windows Award, a competition where judges select finalists from over 100 entries in the Windows World Open Software Development Competition. Basically, it's an annual showcase that features the talents of developers worldwide that use the Microsoft Windows operating system and development platforms. So unlike some in the world of franchising who I encounter on a daily basis who developed some of these things that became legacy systems that were much, much bigger than they were ever anticipated to be, you actually went about software with some knowledge. I didn't know that was part of your world, David, but I live and learn something every day too. So thank you for that and for sharing that with me by way of my research. Yeah, just a quick story on that. I had a, a very unique situation. I was, I was always sort of a wannabe techie guy. I'm a certified get and we were always on the 
sort of the bleeding edge of technology. And I was introduced to a guy named Ted Kennedy, who I mentioned uh, earlier in the Mr. Handyman. And Ted was a software developer extraordinaire. And I told him what I wanted to do with this scheduling software for Molly Made and our franchisees. And he was like, yeah, yeah, we can do that. We can do that. So long story short, developed it. Phenomenal. Awesome. And he comes to me one day and he says, David, I want to enter our company in the Windows World Open and, and get Comdex, which is the big software show. And I said, uh, I rolled my eyes to myself, not to him. I said, sure, Ted. So he went away and did it. And he calls me on Monday night and he says, David, I think we got a chance to win this thing. And Bill Gates is presenting the award. Any chance you could get here by you know, noon tomorrow? So I did. And I got there. And sure enough, we won the award and got to spend probably an hour with, uh, with Bill Gates afterwards, which was incredible. And the next year, I developed a, a, another side to the business, which was the franchisee side. Actually, the, the home office side, the franchisee side. First, so we developed the, uh, the home office side, and that one again in the second year. And again, we <laughs> spent another hour with Bill Gates. And so uh, we had just this incredible team of people that took things to the max and had big, big visions for what it could do and done. And, and that was the platform that service brands ran until we sold the company on. Great stuff. Great stuff. And I would never have known that. I'm so happy to have learned that. In addition to all the other things that I have known about you, I did not know that. And let's talk a little bit about benevolence because that too is a very large part of your life, David, and it will run us up to the next gen, but maybe a word or two first about his hands to you and the Miss Molly Foundation, and that'll lead us into the IFA and next gen. So I had pneumonia during the O.J. Simpson trial, and I've never missed a day of work in my life except for the three or four weeks that I had pneumonia, and I literally got to watch the entire O.J. Simpson trial, which brought, if you remember back then, brought a tremendous uh, focus on domestic violence in our country. And during that time, one of the home service professionals cleaning our home from Molly Maid came in, and my wife noticed that she had a black eye. And my wife talked to her and found out that after a longer discussion that she had in fact been hit by her boyfriend. And out of that, my wife decided that Molly Maid could benefit from being a public forum for a voice for women and create awareness of this social plague, create awareness and be funding. So she created the Ms. Molly Foundation. And what that ultimately ended up leading to was every Every October, which is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, all of our franchisees in their each in their local community end up giving a percentage of their revenue to a domestic violence shelter and collecting goods and dollars from their customers and giving it to that shelter and in creating awareness. And it's been just a phenomenal success for for helping to raise awareness and money for shelters and for helping victims of domestic violence, which ultimately led to my wife Karen being recognized by the White House and given an award at the White House by Health for for her work in that regard. And it continues to this day. When we sold service brands to the Dwyer Group, I had put in my will and my estate planning that I would donate some monies to the International Foundation upon, upon our demise. And I went to a, a meeting where there were these kids from all over the world that had come before they really knew what NextGen was, but they ran a, a first-year program. And I got to sit with these kids and, and hear them tell their stories about their entrepreneurial ideas. And I immediately 
said, you know, I think I could turn this into something that would be a good cause for franchising, a good cause for the International Franchise Association Foundation, and accelerate my my giving to, to the foundation ahead of my demise and be a part of this. So that's what I decided to do literally on the spot. And we just had our fifth year this year. We get hundreds of applications a year from multiple countries. We had six countries this year that were winners and uh, we, we fly them to the convention. They have to be between 18 and 35. It's called the Next Gen and Franchising Global Competition. And we look for the best new creative franchise ideas around the world. And we fly them into the convention. We take the group, the larger group, and we narrow it down to the final three during a two-day process at the convention. And then on the last day of the convention, we have sort of a Shark Tank-like program where we have uh, guest judges. Last year, we had Damon John from, from Shark Tank and this year, year we had Carly Fiorina, the former CEO of Hewlett Packard and former presidential candidate, as our celebrity judge. And we take the final three who then pitch their ideas to the audience and those judges. The judges then ask them questions, and then we let the audience vote on their cell phones and iPads, etc., uh, as to who the winner will be of the three. And it's a very, very exciting program. It was rated the number one program at the IFA convention last year, and we haven't seen the results for this year, but I would presume it'll be at the top again. And uh, it's just a thrill to watch these kids get this kind of publicity and fame for their businesses, and they all go back and get tons of local media, and their business get tremendous boosts, and we assign them uh, mentors out of the International Franchise Association who host calls with them and support them. And uh, it's just been one of the most rewarding things I've ever done, Stan. Where did that passion come from, David? When did you get to a place where you said, I really aspire to working with molding the clay with these youth and putting such energy, especially at a time in your life where you could have chosen to just, you know, take it to the farm and, and relax more. You're putting all a great deal of work into this and you're writing a check for it to underwrite it, are you not? Uh, yes is the answer to the to the last question. I can, can give you two reasons. One, I grew up in a third world country. I, I, I was a missionary kid. I grew up on the island of Tortola in the British Virgin Islands, a wonderful place to be, especially when you're a kid. And I have a great desire to help people who are less fortunate than us. And the second thing was I vowed to myself as we were running through the, the cycle of service brands that at some point in my life, I would give back to franchising because it, it gave me so much. And so when I went to that one session five years ago where I saw what a huge impact we could have in, in a young entrepreneur's life halfway around the world that didn't have the things that we have here and what an impact it could make, it just really grabbed me and got a hold of me. And I, I just fell in love with this idea of this competition and finding these new ideas and helping people achieve their dreams just through franchising like what happened to me. And these, for the most part, are young kids who are not looking to become franchisees per se, but these are concept people. They're giving birth to ideas that they're taking back either to their countries or those that are from North America looking for the help and the guidance of leadership and professionals like you. But you're actually building brands here. You are 
building that thing that I hope becomes the delta between franchising today being unintentional and franchising becoming something like the Titus Center and Dr. Ben Letalian's program at Georgetown and the program that's taught at Cornell and here in Atlanta area at Kennesaw State, where entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship franchising becomes far more intentional. Do you see that on the horizon, David? Do you think that it's within reach? I do. I am a great supporter of the Titus Center. Uh, Dr. John Hayes is a, a big supporter of my Next Gen program and and vice versa. And I, I think that I'll just tell you a quick story. We had a finalist this year, Princess uh, was her name, from the Philippines. And uh, she had a concept called What's Your Flan, F-L-A-N. And she started this in her own kitchen with $20. And last year she grossed over a million dollars. And she, she's got a, a simple franchise concept of selling flans on the streets of countries in, in and around the Philippines and wants to expand it around the world. And here's a young lady, you know, less than 30 years old who has this idea, has this dream that in her mind is just as serious as as Molly made was in my mind in the 80s and 90s who today, but not doesn't have the resources, doesn't have the knowledge base or the access to the knowledge base until she won as a finalist in the next-gen competition, and now she does. And so that's the rewarding part. I guess the, the example I would give is this. $1,000 to someone in a third-world country is like a million dollars to somebody in America. And so you have tremendous leverage if you can identify winners around the world through a competition and then lean in into their business and into their ideas and not for very much money or very much resources, you can have a tremendous impact, not just on their life, but the life of the people that they're selling their franchise concepts to. And nothing gets me more excited about having an impact in the world and through the method of franchising. David, you wear not one, not two, but three hats as IFA defines those that are involved in its organizational structure. You as a franchisor for many, many years, you as a supplier, because you're still involved in many different companies that are part and parcel of IFA, some on the supplier side as well. And now too, you as a franchisee, you've hit the trifecta. Let's talk a little bit about some of those other things that are involved in your life and that have caught and captured your attention in the time that we've got left. Well, hey, thank you for your generous comments. The goal is to make a difference in the lives of people that uh, have these great franchise concepts around the world so they can achieve success. So when I sold service brands to the then Dwyer Group, one of the things that I did is I, uh, along with a partner of mine named Alan Gotthard in your hometown of Atlanta, we created a uh, venture capital slash private equity firm called Trinity Ventures. And we've invested in nine companies uh, so far. And so I've had a lot of fun just, if you will, dabbling and being part of young entrepreneurs in this country where I've got my capital on the line, helping give a experience from the real world that I came from to help them build their businesses and it's been just a tremendous amount of fun. But most recently, and I think what you're referring to, is I have become a franchisee for Sola Salons. And Sola is a, a franchise company headquartered in Denver. And they've developed a really interesting approach to salons for hairstylists primarily who want to sort of take more control of their own life. They don't want to work someone else's hours, listen to someone else's music, not be able to sell product. And so they created a, a scenario where me as a franchisee find a retail space and remodels it into anywhere between 20 and 35, 40 salons. Each one has a, a lock and they can 
control their hours. We provide them with all of the back-end office material, online scheduling, seminars to grow their business products at wholesale prices so they can pay for the rent by midweek and put the rest of the money in their pocket from just the sale of product. And it's a phenomenal concept. And that is with your own next gen of franchising involved in the business. Is that not right? Is this not a family business with your children? It is. My children, my daughter lives here in California and my son lives in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And those are the two areas where we're developing the solo salons and they are going to be the day-to-day operators of those businesses. Walking the talk, David, there's nothing like leadership by example for all of those that you're inspiring in next gen. You truly have covered the bases from each of the three legs on the stool, from suppliers as well as Zor and Z. David, there are a lot of people that are going to be listening to this that are aspiring to be uh, David McKinnon in the future. What kind of nugget or two might you share here as we come close to running out of time to um, to those that are on the trail? And what's the one or two things you would tell anyone and everyone that they need to do if they don't do anything else? Well, there's nothing like being your own boss. Uh, however, that materialized. The thing that someone I heard maybe 35 years ago, when you work for yourself, you work twice as hard for half as much money, but you have four times as much fun. And there's just a lot of truth into that. And when you control your own time, you get to decide what you do when you want to do it. There's just nothing like that. And franchising, on any side of that, the three-legged stool, particularly being a franchisee, that also counts. And I was so thankful to be part of so many people's lives from getting out of the corporate world into being a franchisee and watching them experience that joy that I experienced when I did the same thing. Uh, That certainly would be uh, at the top of my recommendation. And uh, another would be that if you have a dream of building a business, whether it can be franchised or not, I would certainly encourage people to chase that dream. David, is there anything I didn't ask you that you wished I did? Dan, you're a tough interviewer. No, I've enjoyed the time. I did want to add one thing to the history lesson, and that is you know, when you're in franchising, you have to sell franchise, and that's not the easiest thing in the world to do, to convince somebody to leave their secure job and guaranteed paycheck to put it all on the line and bet the family 401k on it. But uh, I had a mentor that I know uh, is a good friend of yours, and without his sage advice, a good friend of our Jerry Darnell, who invented the Discovery Day program where you get someone who's looking at your business, but you get them to get on an airplane and come and meet your team, meet your people, see the support systems, see how it works. If it wasn't for Jerry, I wouldn't have learned how to do that. And I wanted to give a shout out to him and thank him for his part in the success that we enjoyed at Service Brands International and how to sell franchise the right way. And Jerry Darnell, shout out to you, my friend. He's going to love that. In fact, I shared with him that I didn't think we could get through this hour without mentioning his name once. And I think that what you've just done, doubled down on that and made it twice. So, <laughs> Happy, happy that you did do that, and what a great way to to bring this together to a close. It has come and gone as quickly as I knew it would, David. I can't thank you enough for carving out some time to share with our audience some of those life experiences and lessons that you've lived and that we're more than willing to share out with others that have yet to become or find the path to success that you've already journeyed and continue to journey on. Thank you, David McKinnon. Thank you, Stan. Appreciate the time. Thank you. Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes.